Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This episode is brought to you by The Sovereign, a wellness membership to move us forward in a world gone wild. I don't know if you've noticed, the world is a little different. We need different things. The Sovereign includes mental health practices to keep you grounded, physical practices like yoga and weight training to make yourself incredibly healthy, and better yet, a live and interactive inspirational community with workshops that will inspire creativity and motivation, including business, financial preservation, freedom systems, nutrition, homesteading, and more. Get on the waiting list and save 50% off your membership for a limited time only. That's only $20 a month. This community is worth joining. We're building the future together. See the link in my bio. Our second sponsor is my favorite liquid glow collagen. I use my body for a living. I teach privates, yoga, mobility work. And as a result of using my body for work, I have some inflammation. I have some old injuries. Yes, these practices can be healing, but also it's wear and tear. After three weeks on glow liquid collagen, I noticed that deep ache in my hip had completely erased. The inflammation in my body, gone. And my gut health has never been better. Shop www.trenant.com slash Carla Treadway. And last but, lo- last but not least, when you're spending a lot of time standing up to cancel culture and groupthink, it takes a lot of energy out of you. I use Purium products. They are the greenest, cleanest superfood supplements on the market and my personal favorite. Try the 30-day ultimate lifestyle transformation to reset your gut, lose weight, detox glyphosate from the body, and live vibrant and free. If you need green, healthy energy in your life, use the code JOY25 to save 25% off any of your Purium purchases today. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway, and I'm very excited for today's guest. I have with me today, Kid Carson. Kid, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. Nice to meet you, Carla. Um, Kid Carson uh, was a radio show host, a very famous one, several different big cities. You got Barrie, Toronto, Vancouver. You had a fairly established career and have branched off to do your own thing, your own podcast. Can you tell me a little bit uh, about where you were and and where you are now? Sure. I had uh, just an amazing career in radio. I wanted to do it since I was a little kid, talking into the end of my pencil, if you can remember what that is. And, um, and that took me to you know, to some great career heights. You know, it's kind of every radio person's dream to do a morning show. And I got that opportunity to do that for a long time in Vancouver. And, um, and I sort of built a career on being curious, mixed with a little sensationalism. And, um, and that was just kind of a, a great formula for me to, to get ratings. And then suddenly, um, there, there came along this, this weird pandemic thing and you weren't allowed to be curious and you weren't allowed to question things. Um, and which was bizarre for me. And that ultimately led to my uh, demise and being fired and, um, now moving into the podcast space. Okay. So that's, that's the very short version. We can dive into any part of that, that, uh, 
that you'd like to? Yeah. Well, what was one of the things that you were questioning live on the radio that got you in trouble the first time? Um, I, I think I, the first time I noticed that things were really strange. Um, and again, I'd started this new show right at the beginning of the pandemic. I'd signed the, the, the contract to start at uh, Z95 um, literally two weeks before that first big announcement or, you know, Canada, it's time to come home. It was a really bizarre, weird time. In fact, at that time, my co-host was in Thailand um, with his family. And I'm like texting him going, dude, Justin Trudeau says you got to come home. So hurry up or you're going to get trapped there. Um, I should have told him to stay in hindsight. But um, I, I, I first went on and just questioned the masks. And it wasn't even uh, we shouldn't wear masks. It was in a very, I thought, a very relatable way. I just said, oh, God, I, I, I know we got to wear these masks to keep people safe, but man, I really hate them. Mm-hmm. And I had been invited to a charity softball game over the weekend, and I went, and, and I showed up in the summertime, and the heat's coming down, and we had to wear masks. And, and I, I was like, oh, I'm playing baseball sports outside of the mask on. So that was the whole genesis of the conversation. I just said, oh, my God, I hate these stupid masks, um, but I know we got to wear them to keep people safe. Man, did that bring out the the keyboard warriors and the Karens, and that got me pulled into the office and got me in a lot of trouble. And I just thought, wait a second, like this is bizarre. Like we're not supposed to like these masks. That was the whole thing. You can't say you don't like masks because that's dangerous. And I thought, well, listen, we're not supposed to like them. We're it's supposed to be like an inconvenience. It's supposed to be a thing that we're doing. This is early on. I I, I hate masks now altogether, but at the time, you know. I'm like, okay, well, but this is weird that we're like buying, you know, leopard blazers and a leopard mask and it matches and it's fashion. And it's like this whole, like becoming a trendy thing. And I thought, this is not right. This is supposed to be a thing that we don't like, but we do to protect the people that we love. Anyways, that was not um, an opinion that was uh, welcomed on the radio. (laughs) You're only supposed to talk about how great it is to wear a mask and how much you love it. And I thought, wow, this is like really weird. Times have changed. Something has happened where we can't question things Mm -mm. or even like say the things out loud that we're all thinking in our heads. Mm Guys, give me a break. Mm -hmm. We all hate wearing the masks. And um, so that was the first thing for me where I went, okay, I've never been told what I can and can't talk about on the air before. And this was a big moment for me where I felt this shift and it felt very icky, as you can imagine. Hmm. Was that a moment too, when you started recognizing that something was wrong or did you already have a good sense that maybe this wasn't just public health? Well, I've kind of been down the rabbit hole for years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've sort of um, uh, always been into, you know, ancient history that's sort of hidden from us and um, you know, just how that healthcare system worked and, you know, just, you know, that they have cures for things that they keep from people because there's so much money in treatment. Um, so I was always sort of aware uh, that there was some sort of power that be that had us living in some sort of a, you know, a little bit of a clown world. I like that expression that's come about in the last couple of years. And um, so I was sort of awake to that. And then like, you know, what really woke me up was like 9-11 for a lot of people had that same experience where, whoa, this was, this was something happened here and it was a sloppy job and it's obvious. Um, so when this came along, uh, I definitely thought, okay, this is, I, I, I had, with all the crazy people that I'd followed over the years, this was something that was predicted for a long time that this would be one of the things that they would do. I don't know if maybe some people listening to already think, oh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> but that was a that was a story that was told for, you know, a few decades that this would be something that would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it was, but yet still, when it first happened, like you don't know, you're scared. I was guilty of putting on my blue rubber gloves and putting my N95 mask on to go to the grocery store and waiting in line for half an hour, two feet apart. And my wife had me Lysol wiping down, you know, every bag of chips that came in the came in the door and i'm like oh this is ruining it you know and but then two weeks in just it hit me and 
And thank God my wife is on the same page as me. And we're like, wait a second. Oh my God, this is, this is not what we think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was early on. And of course, it's very difficult to have a new radio show and you're on the air and you're trying to, you're trying to build a connection with people. Um, they're listening to you on their drive into work. Um, you're like a friend to them. They're inviting you into their lives. Um, and you want to talk about the things that they're thinking. And everyone is thinking like, masks suck. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, masks suck. And like, this is kind of weird. And, you know, and as time went on, that's when it became very difficult to feel like I couldn't talk about it. Yet this is like a thing we're living through. We should be talking about it and questioning and debating and having, you know, curious discourse about the entire thing. And when suddenly it was like, Mm-mm-mm. that's when things really got uh, difficult for me. Masks are so interesting because it's so much more than just wearing a mask. And I, I would disagree that everyone hates wearing them. I think some people love wearing them mm-hmm. and people wear them for different reasons. One, they have to, like, if you don't wear this to work, you're fired. And then there's just people like going along to get along. Then there's many people who are very, very scared. And I have so much compassion for them. You know, the person that's wearing it outside by themselves, they're terrified. I I don't lambaste those people. I, I get it. They're just scared. And then there's a lot of people that I think enjoy wearing them. And this is just my opinion. But I think for some people, this whole thing is really exciting to people. They get to wear it like a badge of like, this might be the most exciting thing that's happened to a lot of people. Like I've, I've personally lived a really exciting life pursuing work that I love and traveling the world. A lot of people live their lives on the TV. And all of a sudden, the person on the radio told them when you wear your mask, you are saving five people's lives. I heard that on CBC. You're saving five people's lives. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because I heard that you need to wear 33 of those things for it to do what you think it's doing. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and not only that, and the studies uh, showing like the little the plastic particles that you're inhaling. And there's a whole bunch of studies that, uh, oh, that just say it's a, it's a bad, bad idea. It's a bad idea. Yeah. So you, you got spanked on the hand. Don't do that. Can't talk about masks. Then what happened? Um, well, I guess time, I mean, that sort of, you know, that, that can weigh on you when, you know, we're all already going through a hard time anyways. Um, just with the world being weird and then, then feeling like your, your, your throat is sort of cut off from, from sharing what's on your heart and on your mind. And, and then I started to feel like just like a bit of a phony because, uh, you know, now I'm, now I'm not talking about it as much. Actually, what had really happened is I, I finally came out and spoke against the, um, the digital IDs. That was really a concern to me. Um, and you know, sort of, sort of was, uh, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it was sort of like a good thing in terms of ratings in radio when you can be a little sensational and bring up these topics that are a little bit like, whoa, I can't believe you said that, or a little bit controversial. That's always a good thing. So, you know, for me, I'd always sort of talked about little conspiracy things here and there. Um, and, and, you know, I'd say it with a twinkle in my eye and either people would be like, oh God, that crazy, that kid Carson is so crazy. Or, or, you know, or they'd be like, yes, yeah, you're spilling some like, you know, truth in there. Um, but that was always like an okay thing to do. And it actually encouraged. Um, but then when I talked about the digital IDs, you know, I, I was basically saying, Hey, you know what, you know, when you really look at technology, you know, it's a little bit, you know, uh, I don't think that this is just, this could go to a place where it's not just a simple convenient way to carry around your QR code for those people that were carrying around QR codes, I wasn't one of them, but I thought, you know, it's a little bit bizarre that um, people are just sold on the fact that it's for convenience. Instead of thinking two steps ahead where this could eventually be connected to your bank account. And if you eventually don't get the right shot, then you're, they could restrict, you know, where you shop or freeze your bank account or something like that. I was sort of throwing out these ideas that like, Hey guys, maybe this digital ID thing is a bad idea. And, you know, those, those of us that are awake can see a hundred miles out that this is all planned towards a, a social credit score system, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, bringing that up on the air and, 
really got me in trouble. I mean, I was like, that got me pulled into a, a, a big meeting over Zoom with like head management in Toronto. And I thought, oh my God, this is done. And they told me that I needed to keep my, my commentary in the realms of, of reality and that it was dangerous. And I just, I couldn't believe it. So I just, at that point, I had to put my tail between my legs and promise that I wouldn't talk about any of this stuff on the radio or on Instagram at all. And so uh, it, it, basically it was like, do you want to work here or not? So that's when things got really difficult because the pandemic was getting a little bit wilder and, you know, people are, you know, the stress is building. I mean, it continuously, you know, two steps forward, one step back and this whole thing's happening. And um, eventually um, I started to feel like a bit of a phony. Like people would DM me and say, dude, come on, you're what you're one of us. Like, why aren't you saying anything or, Mm -hmm. and I would have to go on and talk about silly dumb things, you know, just, you know, Hey, Rod Stewart turned a hundred years old today. Good morning, everybody. Like doing this whole, you know, um, song and dance and not talking about what I think people were really like thinking about because suddenly digital IDs were becoming a real thing. And all this stuff was sort of not so conspiracy anymore. The joke started to pop up. Like, you know, what's the length of time between conspiracy and fact is six months and all these (laughs) types of uh, conversations were happening. Um, so I started to really just feel like, um, like a bit of a phony. Mm-hmm. And then um, Ottawa happened. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm already feeling a little bit like isolated and alone. And like my employers think that I'm crazy. And you're just like, oh my God, second guessing. You know, maybe I shouldn't be allowed to talk on the radio. Like what's going on? And then um, when Ottawa happened, it, it was a bizarre feeling to to be well a mixture of emotions a like oh my god i'm not alone other people are seeing what i see and you're sort of just you know you're 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 crying you're so excited when you saw all these you know the videos on instagram with the slow motion and the flags waving and people on the overpass and you know that song by jimmy levy like we will not comply is playing and you're just <laughs> You're overwhelmed, right? And, uh, and but then it was weird because then I would so I'm watching this on my phone, but then you look at the news and you'd see a totally different story. Mm-hmm. And it was these racists are like heading to Ottawa to topple the government. And I was like, oh my god, this is this is like the weirdest. This is like the weirdest thing. And that's when. I really started to feel like, okay, something is like really wrong. There was another thing actually that happened too, that really, um, that happened um, at uh, a rally that happened in Vancouver, um, outside of Vancouver General Hospital. And it was, a, it was one of these freedom rallies. I'd never been to one before. I was curious to see what it was all about. I showed up and it was just thousands and thousands of people. And it was a, they were meeting at the hospital for like some speeches and then marching to City Hall. And I went and I was like overwhelmed with like the, this incredible feeling of like seeing this, this beautiful sort of all the freedom fighters are coming together, kids, families, the whole thing, flags. Um, And then I went home that day and that night on the news, the big story was anti-vaxxers go to harass nurses and block ambulances from coming and going from the hospital. And by the way, the rally was to support nurses. That was the whole thing because some of them were being let go for not wanting to get the jab. So I was there and I knew that what they were saying had not happened. No one is harassing nurses. No one is blocking ambulances from coming and going. Um, There was a huge police presence from uh, Vancouver Police Department who did a great job of, you know, standing around and hanging out and making sure. And so I just started to feel like okay, this is crazy that not only was one news source coming out with this story, but like two, three, four, all of them had this story that there were a group of like awful people who were harassing nurses and standing in front of um, ambulances blocking them. And first of all, that's so disrespectful. Do you think the Vancouver Police Department would ever allow that to happen? Mm -hmm. They would never 
allow people to block ambulances. I mean, give them some credit, you know? So there's, I was there and it didn't happen. And then I got this creepy feeling like, oh my God, I can imagine like one news station getting it wrong, but all of them have the same fake story. And then you start to, you start to get like this weird, like, am I in the twilight zone? Like what's going on? And I had planned on going on the air and talking about how, how I was there the next morning. But then I was like, now I can't, now I can't even admit that I was there because I will be associated with this awful group that were blocking ambulances. I mean, it was painted like horribly. So that's what I started to feel like, okay, who's, who's, who comes up with the story and then spreads it out to all the news outlets. And I don't know how that to this day, I don't know how that works, but between that and then seeing the misreporting of what was happening in Ottawa really threw me for a loop. And I thought, oh my God, like the media is lying to us. The mainstream media is lying to us. And that's a really, you grew up watching the news to suddenly feel like it's a lie. That's like a paradigm shift. I mean, it's, it, it feels really uneasy. No one likes their worldview like messed with. No. But at that point for months afterwards, I was watching this and watching the news in a completely new way and realizing that, okay, I'm, this is a lie. Then you start researching, okay, CBC got $1.4 billion from the liberals last year. Okay, so now they have to say whatever he wants. It was becoming like state media. And you're researching and going, okay, the liberals gave a bunch of media outlets, including your little local mom and pop magazines and tiny little blog websites. They gave them like over 600 grand last year, including a popular website in Vancouver called the, the Daily Hive. They got $500,000. And all their stories were like fear-mongering about uh, getting the jab and all this stuff. And so your whole world starts to go, oh man, this is like weird. Um, and it can bring you to like a bit of a, a bit of a dark place, you know, especially when you see it and your friends don't see it or your boss is telling you only report stories on the pandemic that come from reliable sources like the CBC. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you know, that's a, what a weird, what a weird thing to go through that we are still going through. And as we see friends and family who are getting their news from, from these places and, and treating it as gospel. So that's when, sorry, I'm rambling here, but that's eventually when I, I went on the air and gave my little speech because I was so moved by Ottawa and I went on the air on my last day and basically said, um, and it's episode one of my podcast. You can go back. I have the actual clip from the radio so people can always reference what I said that got me fired. Um, that was, you know, basically, Hey guys, if, if you are convinced that like this thing in Ottawa is a racist movement, like you have been really tricked mm-hmm. and it sucks to be tricked but you're being tricked and i felt like it was important to go on the radio and say that because you need people need to see themselves reflected in mainstream media although we're losing hope now in mainstream media it's becoming like a bit of a zoo um we've always all the stations always try to reflect who their audience is whether it's having people of different races different religions different backgrounds, all sorts of different people. When you watch the news, you see the, the news anchors, everyone's different, everyone. So you see yourself in the news and that comes with not just the people, but also the stories and the opinions. Um, there's usually a wide range of things, but with this particular issue, it, there was only one story being told. And when you don't see what you see on your phone or on Instagram lives, or what you see in your, maybe your friend circle or with, you know, what you perceive as reality, it's not reflected in the news. It can make you feel like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. So knowing how isolated I was feeling and knowing uh, that there's other people like that, that are feeling like nutty because everyone's acting like this is normal, but something's not right. Motivated me to finally just go on the air and say, guys, like, is no one else going to say anything? It's no one else going to say anything. What's going on? And that ended up being my, my last show. Hmm. Um, Stop and take a breath now. (laughs) No. And that's, that's why I wanted to talk to you because 
this is the hook. This is the hook. Most people will never do what you did. Most people will never talk about the things that I talk about because they don't realize a that their thoughts and opinions aren't their own, that they're being heavily influenced by one narrative in the media, whether it's our health policies or certain social justice movements or ideologies, they don't realize how heavily influenced they are by the media. And the hook is fall in line or you're a bad person. So most of us, I believe, disagree with a lot of the things that are being taught, but we're way too scared to say anything because the culture is, if you don't fall in line, uh, you're an anti-vaxxer, conspiracy theorist, racist, homophobe, like you're just not a good person. And there are very few of us willing to let go of being perceived as a good person in lieu of just being a good person. And that was my experience coming out. We'll call it my coming out was I lost everybody at first. Like those Instagram numbers, as silly as those are like gone, my best friends gone, everyone around my own parents, like attacking me. And I never said, don't get vaccinated. I never said those things just like poking holes in the theory. Well, what about this? This doesn't make sense. Like completely canceled and attacked. And I remember that moment of loneliness thinking I might've just killed my career. I lost a bunch of clients. Well, at least my integrity is intact. And it was shaky ground there for a while. <laughs> it was pretty shaky, but I felt good about it. And then after a while, then everything switched and people started coming and friends, all these messages in my DMs, me too, me too, thank you. Thank you for saying that, like I've never been busier. And what I'm witnessing in your career is maybe some of the same with, with your new show and people that are surrounding you. Um, are, are you starting to get some of that back after being vilified and isolated? Yeah, and I think it comes down to when you speak your truth, you give other people permission to speak their truth. It's like if you're standing in a group of people and you're like, oh God, actually, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then someone else is like, oh, thank God you said something. Cause I was, I was thinking the same thing. Like, but no one wants to, like someone needs to start. Someone yes. needs to start and just giving permission even just in life, even if it's not about being freedom fighting, if you're just like relaxed in your own skin around people and you're not like too like worried about what people think about you, it's like, oh good, now I can relax too. Like, oh good, you're just kind of being, you're just being yourself, flaws and all. Now I can just sort of just be myself. And like, and that's the greatest thing about hanging out with your best friend. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you don't have to like put on a show. And like, that's the best thing is that when you're with people who just give you permission to be yourself. And, um, and yeah, to follow up on that, it's your tribe shows up for you. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen. And there were some like weird fallouts and really awkward situations. I'm sure like how you had. Um, but after that, your tribe shows up for you. And that's, I think the moral of the story is that, you know, you don't have to scream, you know, they're coming to get us. They're coming to get us. You know, everyone's got their own level of wanting to share. And for, for some people, a good entry point is just like asking a question, like, isn't that weird that they're doing that? Doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't really make sense. And plant a seed and just like let other people feel like, okay, good. That person's sort of like not a rigid rule follower. Yes, daddy Trudeau type of person. That's good. Like, you know, you just sort of loosen things up a little bit. And when you, um, when you do that, your, your tribe slowly comes around you, Yeah. you know? And like my Instagram followers were like, you know, I went from like 30,000 to 70,000, like within like a week. I felt like a movie star. I'm like, oh my God. And then all the mess, I'm like, holy cow, I feel so cool. You're riding this high and you're so encouraged. And, you know, there was a good high there for like a, a month where you're just like, the numbers keep going up and up and up. And you're just, you can't keep up with the messages. And I was like misty eyed for a couple of weeks afterwards because all of the messages that were like paragraphs long of like, people telling the stories. I was in the car with my kids. We heard that final day, you know, thank you for saying that. Like, 
you know, I've never heard anyone in uh, mainstream like say anything and you made me feel like I'm not crazy. All these stories that just uh, like were so emotional to read. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, your tribe shows up for you and you, you let other people think like, okay, maybe I can sort of say something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, not to say there wasn't like some weirdness, like, man, of course like you go to your kids like school drop off or pick up you know i my youngest my youngest boy is a uh, four and so you know you show up there and uh you know some of the moms that used to be really chatty with you like hey you know what's going on or now it's like they just don't even make eye contact with you yeah and it's like oh it stings at, fr- at first it's really awkward because you know now it's like okay well i guess now your son doesn't want to have that play date with my son and there's all these rip, little tiny ripple effects that are really uncomfortable for a little while. But, um, but that, uh, it get to a point where you're like, dude, I, I actually don't care what you think about me. And I know deep down inside, you may like sort of like be now, uh, you know, you respect the fact that I had the courage to stand up for what I believe in. Because I always, whether I disagree with someone or not, I respect other people that stand up. I go, you know, that person is batshit crazy. But good for them, you know. There is an element of that, you know. So yeah. I'm I'm proud to speak my truth. Yeah. I'm excited to connect with a new tribe. And the people I'm meeting now, it's I feel like I've known them for so much longer than I have. I'm like, wow, I just met you like two months ago. I feel like I've known you for years. And I chalk that up to the fact that we're now connecting over something that's just so important. It's like basic stuff. It's non-discrimination. It's, you know, why are we segregating people and judging people and, and being quite negative? I want to be all about the light, you know? So your, your, your moral of the story is you speak up, your tribe shows up and, and it's just on the up and up, you Mm -hmm. know, that's my experience. And I think it sounds like that was the same sort of deal for you. Yeah, I remember that stage being kind of scared to be out in public and like getting the stink eye and like feeling like unsure of myself. And I I hold my head high and every it doesn't happen too often, but every now and then I see someone that is pretty uh, they're holding steady to their thoughts on on this matter. And I see them flash me the stink eye and I just smile because mm-hmm. at this point, at this point, it's it's kind of crazy that you don't see that something's going on Mm. um and i was really slow out of the gate so i feel like i have a unique perspective i was on the i hate to say other side but i was on the other side in the beginning i watched cbc every single day while i was making my sourdough bread and i'd watch tiger king at night and just thinking like nothing wrong with this canadian news has always been so friendly and then I, a really close friend of mine who's very logical, very intelligent, started freaking out. And it's funny, like you said, like you've always kind of dipped into these rabbit holes. She wasn't one of those people. I wasn't one of those people. Like I had conspiracy friends right from the beginning that were like screaming and yelling. And I was like, I didn't even give them a second thought. Right. But then all of a sudden, this one friend was really upset. And I thought, oh, man, she's lost her mind. I'm going to help her. <laughs> so we would talk and I would try and talk her out of her craziness. But she just kept on asking me questions that I couldn't give her a good answer to. Like, when do we vaccinate all of Afghanistan? Because, you know, they're looking for a hundred percent compliance. Like, when does that happen? And just so many questions. Like, why aren't we testing for natural immunity? Um, so many common sense questions. And yet I was still really, really slow. And then one day my child came home. I have a nine and a 12 year old. She came home from school and said, uh, they're going to vaccinate the kids in school. And they said, we don't need your permission. And something in my brain just went, what? I've signed like eight permission slips from everything from can you eat a cupcake to like walk around the block, but not for an experimental injection. That's outrageous and that's when i went down like all the rabbit i was obsessed for a while and when that happened my poor husband was away on a hunting trip 
So he doesn't even know I'm in this like deep dive rabbit hole all weekend. Oh, no. And he had questions right from the beginning because he's super logical, like really lo- right from day one. He's like, something's not right. And he's not conspiracy, just like a numbers guy, right? This doesn't add up. Well, he comes home from his hunting trip and I'm in the depths of despair and like, honey, I have something to tell you. It's the end of the world and totalitarianism and population. And I just fly off the handle. I'm like, it's the end of the world. And like as far deep as you can. And he looked at me like I'm crazy. And I was like, you just have to watch this one documentary. (laughs) (laughs) And I maybe took it a little too far. Like I I definitely bounced there. And now I find myself, not I won't say the middle because I know what's going on. But I remember the very worst day in all of this for me we were sitting outside and he said, you're right about everything. And I was like, fuck, you agree with me? Oh man, no, you agree. That's the worst. Now you, when all the common sense people and the non-conspiracy people start agreeing with you, you're like, oh man, that's, I wish you didn't. I wish you didn't agree with me right now. This is happening. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that means it's real. I no, want it to be crazy. Real. I know. Oh, man. It's so wild. I was like, do we flee into the woods? What do we do? <laughs> I know. Yeah, you start having all these conversations. And they start to like start out jokey at first. And then they suddenly the, the laughs get a little less and less and less. Like, okay, what, where would we go? If, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh. So I've, I've been through it all, the, the depths of it, the dark, the, uh, the information obsession where you're just like living on Telegram all day long. Um, mm. And a big turning point for me was when the convoy happened as well. And I got this, I was going to go. And then I got an opportunity to work for Trucking for Freedom, which is the documentary team. And my job was essentially PR to dispel all the misinformation i hate that word but just to show all these amazing canadian people coming together show all the love show all the unity so it it took my focus off of what was wrong and look at all look at the good that's happening and i'm so lucky that i got to do that and get real clarity on honestly never to trust mainstream media again and now i'm at this point where i see all this darkness but i see all this light and Mm. i see these amazing people and by speaking it only brings those kinds of people to you i've met doctors and nurses and scientists and politicians and all these people that are willing to take a stand against it and for me that's that's a really exciting place to be in now it's so much better and i i see that in your guests too like the kind of people that you're bringing in really brave people that are willing to tackle this mm-hmm. yeah it's really easy to get pulled into the the dark mm-hmm. i mean it is because the whole thing is you know it's it's a dark thing that's happening um so good for you for for staying kind of in the light and uh by the way i, I i'm so excited for season two or, or episode two of that trucking for freedom i had those uh, those guys on the show and yeah it was like i i'm like oh i can't wait to be able to forward this to the people that i know that are still hanging on to like the cbc narrative of what mm-hmm. went down you know because i think that's gonna man i really think that that could uh you know repair some relationships you know not all but i think there will be people who go you know their parents will look at them and go okay you know what i didn't see it i didn't know um i i now i get what you were talking about and i don't think you're crazy anymore i think that's possible with with that documentary um yeah. so i'm excited yeah. about that so that's cool you were part of that it's i think it's possible for some but unfortunately i think what we're witnessing in the last two years is ideology is stronger than facts so no matter what information you present like we have so much information now to show that these things are more harmful than than being talked about um that was kind of getting me down before i was like oh facts don't matter right now facts don't matter Hmm. and that's going to be tricky for people like i've had a lot of people coming at me and who are against the convoy because they really believe that narrative 
uh, they associate everything with the convoy with Pat King and they want to think Pat King's a terrible person. And no matter what I say, hey, I was there. Were you there? Do you know anyone that was there? Um, it didn't matter that I was working with a bunch of reserve communities, that I was working with the Sikh community. Uh, just didn't matter to people. It didn't matter. So that's kind of where we're at, I think. I, I still have faith we can change minds, but we need more of us willing to stand on this island, <laughs> the island where you're like, you know what, you might be the only one. Can you still stand here and just trust your gut? and trust God, your higher self, whatever that thing is, just know that it's the right place to stand. Even when people attack you and name call you and the world gangs up on you, can you still stand here? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the good news is at least you, we only see people switching, to use that term again, sides mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. our side. You don't see anyone switching back. <laughs> you know, It's like, once you see, you go, oh, Oh my God. Okay. I'm with you. I get it. No one ever suddenly goes, no, I'm going to go back to thinking it was yeah. racist toppling the, I mean, it's you just can't. bizarre, right? You no. can't go back. So at least it's a slow, uh, track, but, but yeah, I, it's, it's exciting to see more and more people waking up, but the division, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it can never be forgiven because you know, the, 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 the families that have been ripped apart. And it's funny because I thought, you know, you heard all these stories of like, oh, my family wouldn't let me come over for Christmas or Thanksgiving this year. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that people would allow it to get to that point. Like, mm -hmm. and you feel really sad. Um, but I wasn't experiencing that in my family at all. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just found out literally last week that there is a grandmother in my family that uh, hasn't been allowed to see her grandkid. Hmm. And this person, I'm trying not to, I don't want to call out, <laughs> I don't know who's going to see this, probably a lot of people, um, we, we wasn't allowing her to, to visit the grandkid. And this was breaking her heart. And this is someone in my family. And I'm like, wow, that's what this feels like. And then she told me, and they've also stopped even sending me pictures of him. And I was like, there's one thing to be, okay, you can't see the, the kid. As, no matter what side you're on, you, we all think that we're doing the best thing out of love. Mm -hmm. Some of us are just misguided. So, you know, this mother's like, hey, I got to protect my kid. And you're not jabbed, grandma, which is funny. It's usually the other way around. You got to protect grandma. In this case, it was like, mm -hmm protecting the kid from grandma and okay, you think you're doing the right thing. But then it gets to the point where like the psychology, the division is so deep that, and I'm not even going to send you pictures of him anymore because I disagree with your medical decision or, you know, I played along and you didn't play along. So I'm going to punish you. Like it's really weird mm -hmm. what's happened. And, you know, you know, that expression, sometimes you got to tip your hat to your enemy and go, okay, nicely played. You guys really knew what you were doing. Like, you know, the, the brain really is, I love psychology. I, I, I used to read a lot of psychology books and I would get inspiration for topics for my radio show um, for around dating and relationships and all that kind of thing. But like computers really are, or, or, or your brain is really like a computer that can be molded and, and hacked for lack of a better uh, term. You know, there's group think, there's, you know, all these sorts of things that we just sort of, we think that we are making the decision ourselves, but we are literally just following what other people do. And because it, it, the worst thing in the world as a human being is to feel like you're ostracized from the community. So let's not even entertain the idea of doing something that would have me become an outsider of the group. It's like in our DNA to, mm -hmm. to act like that. So they really, they are so many steps ahead when it comes to the psychology and the division and keeping families away from each other at the holidays so that they don't get together and actually have discourse about these things or get curious mm -hmm. and ask questions and figure it out, you know? So it's, uh, it's crazy. So now I, now my heart is like even ripped open even more 
about the division happening within families because I didn't really realize it was happening to that degree in my own family mm-hmm. um, until like, you know, a, a week or two ago. Um, so yeah, if you're listening in, like you feel like really isolated or alone, or you have someone who won't even see you anymore because of, of this, um, you're, you're definitely not alone. Let me remind you. I did a post the other day just saying, you're my family now. If this has happened to you, people <laughs> Good luck. Well, that, and I think you really hit the nail on the head, this uh, punishment culture, like the not sending the photos, that, that's punishment. And I don't think that's organic. I don't think that just evolved naturally. I truly believe that that is an intentional component of everything that's happening. Um, The fact that people are outrageously afraid, doctors afraid to speak about the science that they know to be true. I have friends that are nurses and are working and they're like, yeah, this is crazy. And I'm never getting that thing. And I would never say it at work. People are terrified. And with all the different rabbit holes that you can go in, the one that I'm really noticing right now is how far left everything is leaning in democratic countries. We're leaning far, far left. And when we look at like the political spectrum of what is on the far left side, we look at things like uh, Lenist, we look at Marxism, we look at all these things. And in that culture, it is fall in line or you will be punished. A lot of the different theories that are going around, a lot of the stuff that's being taught in school, gender ideology and CRT, all these things have really forceful, aggressive ideologies, fall in line or else. And for me, that that's a big part of the awakening is noticing where we're going politically. So you can see it as the spiritual battle, you can see it as a medical battle, but when you really look at politically where we're going, I I think we're in a lot of trouble. And what I've tried to look at is, okay, the world is definitely experiencing some climate issues. There are a lot of people on this planet. Maybe it has to be this way. You know, maybe there's just too many people and we need to control them. So this is the way we do it. You know, we're looking at China. China's got a lot of people. They forego human rights altogether, but they're pretty good at like controlling the people and managing society. So maybe they did this for the greater good. We're going to lie to everyone and we need to control them and track them because the world is actually in that bad of a shape. I've tried to go there. But then when I remember that they prevented everyone from getting early treatment, that snaps me wide awake from that theory every single time. So I'm like, they don't care about people. They actually, if the number one goal was to save lives, they would never have prevented early treatment. And I was really lucky in the beginning of this. I met a doctor who was wide awake, who prescribed my whole family early treatment. And I couldn't tell anyone about this, but we breezed through it like it was nothing. Breezed through it like it was nothing. We know that that's true. And I remember saying that to a group of nurses at a Christmas party. I walk into this party and I'm like, oh man, I'm going into the lion's den. Don't talk about any of your feelings at this party. But then of course, all this stuff starts coming up and me being me, I can't help myself. So they're complaining about the hospital and how they're overworked and every like everything's crazy. And I just butt in there and I say, yeah. And it's it's really crazy that They could just be giving everyone early treatment, but the government's preventing that from being possible. And I looked at every eye in the room, wide-eyed, not angry at me for saying something untrue, like wide-eyed, like they haven't really thought of that. And then I followed that up with, well, and let's say that's not true. Let's say we don't already have a whole list of medications that would be really helpful. Let's say that's not true. Um, You guys have a whole unit at the hospital devoted to finding early treatment for people, right? And I could just see like the wheels turning in everybody's brain. I'm like, yeah, because we're in the world's deadliest pandemic. So of course you guys are looking at all the different ways that you could treat people early. (laughs) I could have just like dropped a feather in that room and heard it land on the ground. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, there was, there would be so many other ways to handle it if they cared about people. I mean, that uh, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Dr. Zelenko, mm-hmm. who was the first doctor in New York to start treating people, like 
completely healing people in a pre-hospital setting. Mm-hmm. And um, what they call his thing, the, 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 the Zelenko protocol. And he, he gave this and he discovered this. It was working. He was healing like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. It was early on, but he said, he said, gave it all to the, 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 the White House and said, this is something. Like, I don't know if I have it totally figured out, but this is something and it seems to be working. And they like literally the ingredients that he had in that cocktail he had come up with, um, they, they, they started banning it so you couldn't get your hands on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I interviewed him on in my podcast and he tells the whole story. It's two hours long. I basically just sit there and listen to him talk. And it's he says, oh, yeah, oh, you heard it? Oh, that's, it mm-hmm. was, I was like, oh my God, I know all of this, but there was a lot of things I didn't know. And it, just to hear him firsthand experience, uh, tell the story. It's like, oh my God. And, you know, he did things like other countries were reaching out to him going, tell us what to do so we can save our citizens. I think it was the president of Brazil, I think, who went on like live television and like told all of his citizens, this is what you need to do to prevent from getting this. Go buy this, this, and this, um, and, and you'll be okay. Like that's what a leader does. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. to all of Brazil. And then uh, for whatever country it was, they put together like little, little packages of like the, whatever it was you needed, you know, quercetin or whatever it was. Um, and it was like super inexpensive. And they just handed it out to the citizens on the street. Everyone take this, everyone take this. Early prevention was such a, an available thing. And yeah. but that South doesn't America, Japan, Uttar Pradesh, yeah. and you wouldn't hear that in the Canadian news. Oh, they actually don't have this virus anymore, but we won't tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're in a little, a little cage and we can't see what's happening outside. And they're just, we look at this TV and they tell us this whole big story. And and once you're awake to it, it's really frustrating to look around at everyone else sort of just believing it, you know, it's really, especially when you can dig and see, yeah as we have you can see that it's like what's happening so yeah it's very very frustrating where are you at now in this whole awakening journey like where i sit now is pretty aware of everything that's going on and that could happen i'm not even going to say i know for sure what's going to happen pretty pretty clear on what it looks like at this point so i'm focused on loving my life today, uh, doing what I can politically, but I'm also uh, spending a lot of time learning about financial preservation, Bitcoin, growing gardens. I've made this like community where we, well, how do you protect yourself? How do you set yourself up for the future? It's kind of like out of the fear and into the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm feeling quite hopeful. It's not fear mongering. It's like, just a level of preparedness while I live my life. Clearly, I'm in the clown world. It's the Truman Show. I'm very clear on that. Um, where Where are you sitting right now? Knowing all the information that you know, interviewing the people that uh, that you have been, uh, who are telling you more and more outrageous truths. Where, where are you sitting with this? Are Are you hopeful? Are you fearful? Um, a mix of both. A mix of both. Um, it, it depends on what day you ask me, I guess. <laughs> No, I mean, um, you know, the, the fear does creep in. Um, it's, it's, it's connecting with other people and building community that like what you're doing is what keeps you sane. It's like, okay. Cause there's always going to be one person in the group who's like, okay, guys, so we, we, we got this. And, um, cause yeah, you have to stay in the light. And so I do, I do think a lot about that with when I'm, you know, interviewing different people and I want people that aren't just going to be, it's all doom and gloom. Um, uh, you want to have, exactly, you want to be awake, but you also want to, you want to live your life, you know? Um, personally, like right now, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about the fall, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, just looking in the next four months, I'm, I'm nervous about that. And I go, okay, well, I have young kids. I have a four-year-old son. I have an eight-year-old son. I have a 17-year-old stepdaughter. I have a wife. And so when you have this young family, you go, okay, well, it can, is it fair for my kids to go through another long winter lockdown? You know, is that a thing that we can do? Um, you know, uh, so you start having conversations like, do we go somewhere? You know, and it's a crazy thing to even think, you know, 
but you know, and we don't have any plans yet, but you know, you start to, you start to have these, these ideas of, of, do I need to, do we need to get away for a little while? You know, because mm. now they're changing the definition of fully vaccinated to, to, they made that announcement just, I think the other day that there were, we're looking at changing the definition to, to three doses and then that's going to have another uproar. And then you worry about food shortages and there's a lot of things to actually get bummed about. <laughs> oh know? yeah. Like yeah. make friends with a farmer. Um, and it, it can get overwhelming. And if someone's listening to this and you, if you get days where you just feel overwhelmed, like that's totally normal because yeah, it's, these are things to get overwhelmed about. Um, I mean, I remember feeling overwhelmed because the game of Thrones was coming to an end. Like remember the good old days, that's what you were upset about. <laughs> My yeah. favorite show. Right? Yeah. Now, now it's like, God, is there any truth to this yeah. food shortage yeah. thing? Like, do I need to be worried about that? And picking and choosing what to be worried about can be also a game in itself. Um, you know, and like, so, you know, I'm kind of all over the place right now. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I would love just to say like, I'm super positive and everything's going to be great because, you know, I know in the end truth wins, love wins. I, I honestly believe that. I think that long-term, I think that some of these archaic, horrible power structures of how the world is run is going to crumble and there'll be a new, a new world, a new way of living. I think eventually everyone will wake up and we will have community like we've never had it before where we're eating healthier and, you know, like you said, growing gardens and all that stuff, how humanity really should be. I believe that that is in the cards for us. Um, so like, I'm hopeful in that way. Um, but yeah, the old system has to sort of crash first mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm often frustrated. Like, why did this have to happen in my lifetime? Man, <laughs> the eighties would have been oh, great. No, that was a fun time. You know? like, it's cause you uh, were born for this. You were born for this. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Hey, you know, maybe we both were, maybe, a lot, maybe all of us were. Um, so yeah. Uh, my, my thing now is I really want to build community because I, I know what it feels like to be really isolated and feel like the crazy person. And so I, I'm excited to take, you know, the, the little name I've made for myself in radio over the years and like, you know, bring people over and go, Hey, let's, 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 let's come together. And like, let's, you know, so if things do get crazy again in the fall or whenever it happens, you're not sitting at home, isolated, feeling like the mayor of Nutsville all alone. I think between now and, and the fall, I think is a great time to join a community, connect with people. Even if you're like the introverted type, I consider myself a extroverted introvert. So I can have a big personality, but when I want to recharge, I could, I could literally sit in a room for a week by myself and read books and be happier than a pig in shit. Pardon my French, mm -hmm. but that's just how I recharge. And then I can go out and do a song and dance for the world again. But I think for people who are like naturally introverted, you can get in a place where you are alone, like physically, and then you can be locked down. And then if you're like, you don't have anyone to even talk to about stuff and then you're isolated inside your own head and it's just not a fun place to be. Mm -hmm. So a great time now would be to force yourself to connect with some people so that as things get weird, like you have like a group that you can at least follow along and read the comments and be encouraged or just feel like you're not alone. You know, mm -hmm. the more you can sort of become a part of a community, I think is the better. So that's sort of a thing that I'm, I'm working towards. And um, I've got a little community thing that I'm going to launch in a couple of weeks that, that uh, I'll, you know, have in my little corner of the matrix where I can sort of encourage people, we can come together and, you know, do live streams and do all that sort of thing. So that's sort of a part of my bigger vision in the immediate future. Mm -hmm. uh, and that will help keep me sane too, uh, surrounding myself with, with other like-minded people. And uh, so, yeah, but it's a mixed bag. Ask me tomorrow and I'll be like, they're coming for us. Let's go to Mexico. <laughs> uh, are you going to yeah. get on a plane now that we can? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious, hard to get full information. Whenever they make announcements like this, it's like, okay, well, it, are they going to stick that swab up into your brain? Are you going to have to quarantine? I hear you have to quarantine. So I'm still like looking at all that stuff. But yeah, I sort of feel like. Let's go. My kids <laughs> need, yeah, like maybe there's just a little window here. Where my, you know, we need to, I mean, 
the lighting in here makes me look more tanned than I am, but you know, I'm a little translucent um, in real life. So yeah, I think that that's, that's definitely in the cards. We've got a lot of points built up. Yeah, Time to use those points, right? Mm. I'm on you. I'm with you with the community here. Uh, I've been building that as well. And also a, a big part of my healing journey has been memes. I don't look mm. at the news anymore. Just memes. Just making fun of the clown world. <laughs> right. I love that new expression, clown world. That was never a thing until this, the clown world. And it's so fitting. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, one last question before you go. Yeah. Um, if you could have anyone on your show right now, who would you bring on? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Mm. It's a great question. Alive or dead? Alive or dead? And oh, I don't even know if I can. I can't even. I can't even think. So usually I'm good being put on the spot, but right now I'm failing miserably. I feel like Jesus could tell us what's up. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, depopulation for sure." God, what is going on here? (laughs) What is happening? Or Satan, you know, you know, what's up, man? What are you, what are you doing? It's funny. He's not I really going to tell believe, you the plan. He's right. not going to tell you. No, it's funny. That I, I really do believe that this is a spiritual battle. And um, I used to never really talk like that. But, um, you know, once you get down all the rabbit holes, they all sort of lead to the same ending. The battle mm-hmm. between good and evil. I know it sounds sort of like a Star Wars thing, like, oh, okay. And it sounds corny, but... Um, I don't think it's just the, the reason why these things are all happening and it's been reverse engineered to get us to a place at the end where it's like they're, they're coming for your soul you know i know yeah. it sounds wild to some people but and i can't even believe i'm saying it but i really do think that this is a spiritual battle and i don't know how biblical it is i, I i'm not an expert but I, there's something there like you know people talk about you know end times and you know they can get pretty it can get pretty wild and I don't know exactly where I stand on all of that, but I do know that, that there is a, you know, there is a, a pure good and pure evil. And these are real conscious, tangible energies that are battling and there's agendas being carried out. Yeah. And you know, the people that run the world, here we go. The people that run the world, <laughs> very, very top. They, believe and worship in some sort of Satan like they do mm-hmm. the people we're talking about the people with all the money and the power people who are above trillionaire status they've, they've conquered all the countries they own the banking system they own everything mm-hmm. they are worshiping a devil I mean this is easily documented anyone can look this up and, and so I go okay well if they believe in the devil then and they worship the devil then okay well then God's got to be real. And then you sort of going, start going down those rabbit holes. And so, yeah, I believe it's, I believe it's spiritual. And so I guess if it's a spiritual thing, we just need to kind of deal with it in that way and get, get right spiritually, you know, and whatever that way that looks like for, for you, it may be different for me. Um, But I think that's, that's a big part of it. Well, and so, anyone, yeah, let's interview Jesus. That was the question, right? Yeah. Well, anyone that thinks that's crazy, um, and, and I haven't wanted to go there either. Um, I don't want to believe those crazy conspiracies, but then our people in power do hang out with pedophiles. They do do horrible things to children. That That is that is a thing that those things are happening. And yeah, we heard this conversation with Zelenko and with Jimmy Levy. Um, and it's been my experience too, being in this freedom movement. The first time I went to a protest and I, I thought I was going to go there and rage and like get angst up. And then I was listening to heavy metal, my whole drive to the city. It's like two hours away. I thought we were going to get like angry at the government. So much love. There were military men and police officers, black and white and gay and straight. There were First Nations smudging, followed by Christian prayers. And you could feel it in the air, this like love. You're so welcome and so taken care of. And a pastor went up there and he 
he got on the mic and he said, do you guys feel that right now? And everyone was like, "Uh uh-huh. He's like, that's God, like that's love. And when you go to these things now and you have that movement and love and unity and everyone's welcome, like you could even have a mask. They don't care if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. No one cares, you're welcome. And then there'll be like 10 people on the other side of the street with signs that say gas the unvaccinated and they're screaming and yelling. And I've never had a bigger visual and visceral representation of good versus evil love and hate it's never been more clear than when you go to those things exactly couldn't have said it better myself i'm glad i'm on the side i'm on me too yeah even if people think we're crazy i'm fine with it now cool cool (laughs) we'll see you soon we'll see you soon um thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show i really appreciate you that you were willing to take a stand and that you have the show and that you're bringing on more people that we can listen to that are in alignment with these values. You're doing some really great work. Thank you, Carla. So are you. And uh, I appreciate being invited. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.